Unloose the goose. We'll take no views. Your paradigm's run out of time and we've got no use. Unloose the goose. Welcome to episode 22 of Unloose the Goose. I am CJ Kilmer and I am joined the gaggle this evening is composed of Nicole Sauce, Jack Spierko, Xavier Hawk, and Sal Mayweather. Great to talk with all of you this evening. You too, well. Jay. Thanks. Yeah, it's good to be back. I've been out a couple of weeks. Yeah, so to have you back tonight. Been off piking, man. What's that? I, I was ask, oh yeah, I was asking if you had something fun to drink tonight because you're off school. No, I'm actually uh, taking the night off from boozing. I hit the sauce pretty good yesterday evening, because yesterday is when I finally slew the dragon of the semester from hell. Um, I posted Gandalf-related gifts on social media about this. So yes, I, I learned yesterday what a nerd you were by seeing all of those gifts. Yes, yes, yes. I'm, I'm, I'm As very if you much didn't know. Yeah, yeah. So last night was uh, I hit the sauce uh, a bit too. A bit too much, honestly. So taking the night off, just having some nice filtered water. Um, that's it for me. Plus, I got to get up a little bit early tomorrow anyway. So anyway, our um, topic for this evening is one that everybody struggles with pretty much all the time, if we're being honest. But often people don't want to talk about it. But um, for a lot of people... It's been really bad this year. And of course the topic is mental health, which, um, I think I posted a tweet that, that went big, uh, some months back where I said the mental health of the average American was basically shit to begin with before all this stuff started. And then you throw in, um, the, the pandemic and more importantly, all the responses to it, the lockdowns, the economic destruction, uh, the various, you know, riots and protests and looting and bloody, 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 blah. And, you know, everybody's mental health has, uh, been, been taking a hit over the past nine months, pretty hard, mine included. So, um, I, I guess start off, just go around. With some basic thoughts in terms of, you know, you can either talk about the big picture, like what you see looking around our society as a whole and or your own small world, uh, however much you, you're willing to share as far as, you know, the, the challenges that you have faced this year, um, successes and failures, right? Things that maybe you could have done better or want to do better going forward. Um, any hacks, whatever like that, we'll work our way th- through all that. So just sort of opening thoughts, um, either big picture, little picture, or a little bit of both. I'll just go around clockwise, uh, on the screen. So Xavier, what are your thoughts? Um, mental health 2020. I'm fine. Everything's cool. I'm great. Hey, it's awesome. 
Good, good. You've got to share all your hacks with us then. So, no, so, okay, so um, I had a bit of a unique experience because when I was a, a young person, like eight years old, I had a, a, a vision, essentially, of the future, and it included a, a strange and dangerous virus from China, literally. Um, and so when, and and that defined my life from, like, early teenage years into my adolescence and into my adulthood. And that vision is what prompted me to learn survival, learn uh, wilderness tracking, wilderness skills, homesteading, buying a farm. Like it literally set me off on my course in life, preparing for what I feared in the, in the future. And then when it arrived in November and I saw it on the, you know, on media and, and what's, what was happening in Wuhan, I was like, Oh, this is fucking it. This is the thing. Right. Um, and I, I put out a, a, a blast to some of my friends down in South Florida. And I said, you are welcome to our farm, but you need this list of things. You need to be prepared for this and you need to be mentally prepared for these things. And they all laughed like they literally were like, are you are you crazy? Like, what, what are you talking about? And I'm like, you'll see. Just have those things. If you if you don't, I would feel bad if I didn't tell you this. But if you don't prepare, I won't feel bad if you don't if you show up and I say no. So I, I really made that clear up front. Like, I'm going to share with you what you need to do. If you think I'm crazy, at least I've shared with you. And I, you know, I can sleep well at night because I'm going to say fuck off if you show up without any preparedness. Then when it was happening and we were like locked up in the mountains and we were like, there wasn't a case up until August. And we were literally in uh, uh, our cabin and our surrounding woods. We went hiking. We never wore a mask. Nobody like. There were, it, it, it's as if we just took a, a sabbatical in the woods, right? An extended summer vacation for the kids. And um, we, we all did really well. They did. My family did. Me, I was watching the news every day and like seeing everything just quickly slide down into like this hellacious landscape of absurdity. Yeah, you were watching the news. That's your problem there. <clears throat> oh, not only that, I was watching people beating each other up and burning things down and doing all kinds of ridiculous shit that you know, nobody has any good business of doing. And so I was like, Oh my God, this is really going bad. Um, and so that there was a period of a couple weeks there where I was, I was not pleasant to be around, you know, and even though I would be like walking in the woods and like literally digging gardens and doing all the shit you're supposed to do for good mental health, you know? Um, but yeah, I was looking at social media as you pointed out and that, that was not good. Um, and then at some point I turned around and I said, I don't accept this. Like, I don't care if I fail. I don't care if uh, I die, go out fighting, whatever. Like I am going to stand for the future that I believe in and I'm going to do so provocatively and exuberantly and, and, you know, go pedal to the metal, uh, full bore steam ahead, desiring building and envisioning and getting other people to help build the future that I want to see happen. So that's really what shifted me. It was the saying, I really don't care what's going on around. I don't care what anybody's going to, enforce, you know, like if, if they in, in, impinge upon my civil liberties or as my soul liberties, then, uh, you know, I'll, I'll go out as a warrior, I suppose. And so once I made that decision, uh, I said, well, I'm going to go about this in an intelligent way. What's the world I want to build and how can I do that? So I really just kicked off and, and started doing baseline and doing all of these things to, to counteract the insanity, you know? I think baseline is probably one of the best things you've done for your mental health this year because, it is. If you start mocking things, you cope with them better. Right? Yeah. I think it's been good for other people's mental health because I sure laugh my ass off. By the way, why the hell did you stop putting it on Odyssey? I, I, I haven't. It should be up there. There's, you haven't had there. one up in three or four days, man. 
It, so does it not just automatically upload from YouTube? Oh, it's there, yeah, it's Jack. Posted. It is? I, get I don't know why I'm not seeing it. Damn it. Does it have thumbnail images? I don't know. Okay. Well, anyway, so that's what I did. I reshared it. That's all. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. It. yeah. So, yeah, I just turned around and faced it and said, but I had done a whole lot of, like, inner demon work before this. And, like, okay. uh, you know, there's a certain point where you can only be afraid for so long. And then it's like, okay, am I a coward? Or, you know, am, am I'm willing to put my life on the line. I'm willing to put my, my life essentially on the line and say, I'm an eternal soul and I will stand for dignity, truth. Honor, justice, and all of the wonderful traits of humanity come hell or high water. And once plus I did that, plus you got COVID. Yeah. And once you got COVID, you're like, it's not a big fucking deal. I mean, nope. like, and I don't mean to put down anybody who had somebody that had a real hard time with it or lost somebody, but for most people, it just, it just ain't that big. My son and my daughter-in-law have it right now. Yeah. And, 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 I mean, tested, confirmed because she works in the medical profession. My grandkids have no, they, they probably have it. They have no response to it at all. They have no symptoms and they've been back and forth while they were infected before we knew we don't have it. I think that's a lot to do with our supplements, but I think the, the, the hard hit to mental health is the overwhelming, uh, like completeness of it all. Like it's such a big fucking problem. And like, how do we address it? And when people don't know how to do that, they try to avoid it. So I'm, I'm like, well, I'll address it. Let's go. So that's how I dealt with it, CJ. All right, cool. Sal, I'm assuming when you left, uh, you were actually in New York, right? And and now you're a Florida man. I'm assuming yeah. that probably helped a bit. Well, yeah, I was in Jersey, but yeah, no, oh, okay. it was great. Uh, and, you know, Escape from the Northeast, it helps a lot. But I think that there is a tremendous public health crisis right now in terms of mental health, and it's called uh, Stockholm Syndrome, right? That, that's that's the true mental health problem that we have yeah. in this country because we're running around with a bunch of Stockholm Cindy's, and they're the ones who have forced all of this COVID muzzle-wearing business shutting down nonsense and enabling these parasites to ruin our lives, right? It's 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 just a matter of Stockholm Syndrome. So to me, that's really the only mental health problem that I see in this country. It's sort of the root of all evil. Yeah, and it definitely then uh, kind of spreads through the herd and uh, leads to various other various other forms of insanity and whatnot. Um, Jack, any, any thoughts on the, either the big picture, the small picture or both? I mean, I think for me, the most stressful part of this year personally, um, and I think it's more, there, I'm not talking about like the empathy thing. I have a lot of empathy for others. So it's stressful for me to see people suffering. But for me personally was when this all first started and I'm like, this isn't new. These types of viruses are not a new thing. It might be a new strain, but this isn't new. We know what to do with this. There's there's ways to treat this. And I actually was on the air talking about hydroxychloroquine before Trump made the mistake of backing it, and that had to mean that it was awful. And I was telling people about it two or three days before anybody was talking about it. I had a contact with uh, one of the largest drug manufacturers in the country saying, hey, we're making 30 million doses of this in the next 30 days. I'm like, great, this will be great, you know? And then all of a sudden this war on a medication that we've had for 70 years started, and they started saying that it was dangerous. And I'm like, wait, I took this for six months in Honduras for malaria prevention, and here's the science. And I, I kept making this case, like, look, here's the science, like, because it's science, right? And it's like, Here's the science, and it was very 
it was the most stressful part of the year for me trying to convince people. I remember that. Will that, Hey, this works. And by the way, since they won't let you do this now, here's an alternative that will also work that also takes zinc and puts it in the cells. And the, the absolute visceral hatred I got from people that I was legitimately trying to help was unbelievable to me at first. And so Xavier said like his seminal moment was getting to the point where he's like, I don't accept this. Well, he was talking about the virus being a threat to him, right? Like, so that's a different angle. My seminal moment was when I'm like, I totally accept this. I totally accept that these people are going to behave this way. I totally accept it. I cannot help anybody who doesn't want to be helped. I totally accept that they're going to wear masks. I totally accept that I cannot fix anything for anyone. All I can do is say, here are things. And when I let go of trying to help those who wish to not be helped, that made my mental health this year so much better. Right now, the only mental health issue personally that I feel I have is I've kind of cranked up the juice with my workload going into the end of the year where I usually kind of right after my workshop and Thanksgiving, I kind of throw the car in neutral, push the clutch in and let it coast down and kind of like take the easy ride out to the end of the year. Cause Nicole and I share a common plan and that is next week. Goodbye. And we're gone and we don't come back until um, after, after the new year. And um, I think that's very good for your mental health as well. But for me, that's what it was, was trying to help people and trying to convince people that like, no, this medication that we've been taking for 70 years, it won't kill you. This medication that Veterans Affairs hands out 60,000 doses of a day won't kill you. Like, this is not dangerous. This is like one of the least side effect causing medication on the planet. And being told for that stance that I was anti-science, I still had this vestigial hope for humanity. And I just did a show this week that was like, pure fire where I was like 10 things that COVID confirmed for me and taught me. And one was you just, the, the majority of people are willfully ignorant slaves to the state mm-hmm. and they like it that way. Yeah. And it was accepting that and going, okay, so who's still here? I'm going to work with these people. That's what fixed my brain. Yeah. 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 The way I, I sometimes think about it, um, some of you may have read, the the famous essay, I think it's Albert J. Nock, Isaiah's job, right, where he talks about the remnant and he talks about how, you know, if you're if you're really speaking the truth, only a tiny percentage of people are even going to be at all receptive to what you're saying. And and sometimes I even think of myself as as almost being a, a secular Calvinist. Because, you know, I, I don't believe in Calvinist theology, but I do believe in the basic idea that, like, there's the elect and no matter what you do, that's only going to ever be a tiny percentage of people. And then there's the damned, you know, and, <laughs> and I don't I don't mean it in a theological sense here. I mean it in the sense of there's only a tiny percentage of people who have the combination of of the hardware, the software and the attitude to actually think, like yep. really think about things and really try and learn things for themselves and understand things for themselves and be open minded and all that sort of stuff. Only a tiny percentage because we are not wired up that way by, by our evolution. It, it's, it's the freaks basically. It's, it's, it's the people that don't have the wires wired up right because we're tribal primates. And so our default setting is not rationality. So yeah, I, I had a similar uh, sort of thing really um, a long time ago as, as someone who teaches college, uh, just coming to grips with this that like, there's a, there's 10, maybe in a really good class, 20% of the students in my classes that are like really 
switched on and 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 there, you know. So are um, we the damned? Is that is that what I'm understanding correctly? Or the Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Totally. Depends on depends on whose perspective you're looking at it from, right? We we right. could be we could be the guy in I Am Legend, and from the perspective of the vampires, we're the we're the bad guy. Right, yeah. right. So we're also um, the damn because we're surrounded by vampires. But I think what he's saying, yeah. X, it makes me think of a, a closing to a recent episode of Baseline, right? <laughs> right. The thing about the thing about smart motherfuckers. What did you yeah. say? Right. The, oh yeah, the thing about smart motherfuckers is that we seem crazy to dumb motherfuckers. <laughs> Yes. That was the highlight of my freaking week, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, if if you were um, wrongfully put in a mental asylum and you truly were not insane, I mean, everybody else, all the other inmates would think you were insane, right? Because you're the only one not going along with all their bullshit. Mm-hmm. So, um, Nicole, any any openers, big picture, small picture on the mental health question? I think I have a balance of both, personal and big picture. I, this year I was struck by something I've known for a long time, but I didn't want to believe it. And that is that most people do not want to be free. Freedom is their right, but you are not like, unless you take that right, you are not free. Freedom is a choice and it's how you live your life. And in order to be in a place where you can make the choice to be free, you have to have the mental capacity to do it, the mental health to do it. You have to have a certain amount of confidence to just say, fuck you. I'm going to go do what I need to do to live the life I want to live. I don't care what you think about it. If you try to get in my way, I'm just going to walk around you as best I can. And if I can't walk around you, I'll figure something else out. That's that's how freedom works. Right. Right, Jack. I can't walk around you. (laughs) And I came into this year personally at one of the lowest mental health places I've been, having had a 14-year relationship end shortly before the year started. Um, and realizing that in order to have space for somebody in my life ever again in the future, I had to fix me first because to have that particular relationship end the way it did and have it go on as long as it did in an unhealthy manner, it was my fault, not his fault. And so I started seeing a psychologist and Um, She's just been unlocking all sorts of stuff for me. So like as this year has ramped up and we've gone through all this craziness, which is hard because it's hard to be separated from your loved ones. My choir has not like my choir, my creative outlet of singing with people did not meet this year. We've done some digital stuff, but we it's not the same. Like between 73 and 90 percent of our communication is nonverbal. It's non it's not our words. It's something else. And. So if you're not in person with somebody, it's not the same. Like even just being here digitally with y'all, I get visual cues. I hear your tone of voice. But if we were in the same room, this would be a totally different podcast, right? From a communication standpoint. And people really underestimate that. Um, but I think that something we don't talk about in the freedom world much because the idea is like you just have to choose to be mentally mentally healthy that's not necessarily true. Sometimes you need a coach. Sometimes you need help. Sometimes some people need medication and that's all good. But if we make it so that it's not comfortable to talk about mental health issues openly and that we have to hide them under the rug or addiction issues or struggles that we're having, it sets up a situation where we hide it under the rug. Then we don't deal with it. And we can't truly really be free. 
So mm-hmm. I'm all about like, let's talk about it. Not in a way that brings everybody down or is just venting with no resolution, but let's not hide. You know, I, I said on my podcast that I see a psychologist and somebody's like, wow, that was brave, Nicole. I'm like, no, it wasn't. That's normal. That's what when I would when say I, somebody when I need brave. antibiotics, I'm going to go to the doctor. Right. Yeah. I was going to say you wouldn't say somebody's brave. They're like I have psoriasis. So I went to see a dermatologist. Yeah, I got, right? exactly. So it's yeah. it's something. And and I can't tell you, like I ha- I had seen some psychologists as a teenager years ago. Uh, this particular one I found has been just instrumental in changing a lot of what I'm doing. And then therefore, my business is more successful. My podcast is more successful. Like all of it's coming together. And the big thing is learning to make space for me and not just all other people, right? Make space for me and makes, that's why, um, starting on Friday, it's, it's FU. Nicole is closed for two weeks. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I mean, I, I will do things if I want to, period. End of story. I think that's, that's, that me time's really important. I think that one of the things you have going for you and, and I do, and I think everybody else here does is that, one way or another in your life, you still have human interaction. Mm-hmm. And I, what I, the people I feel really, really deeply for are the people that because they're afraid or because they just don't have anybody around them that they can yeah. be allowed to be around. And because they live in freaking something that makes Nazi Germany look free, some of our parts of our country are like that right now. They literally can't be with anybody. And when you talk about human interaction being nonverbal, like you don't have to believe in any kind of spirituality or anything like that to understand that human beings have energy fields and that we can sense each other's energy because everybody's had a point where you're in a room and it's totally quiet and somebody walks in that room and you know, they're there. How, how, if you didn't hear them, they didn't make any sound. How do you know they're there? If there's not some sort of energy interaction, I remember one time I was, I was closing on a house, so I was in a good mood. I'm buying a house. Right. And I walked into the room to close and I, I literally felt like bad Everything like my stomach, like like when you're in like a bad place and it, it turned out the people we were buying the house from and I didn't know this at the time were in the middle of a divorce and they were both there because they didn't either one trust the other one about the closing. Oh, like no. It was like walking into like a horror movie and I was like, you walk in, you're like, oh, what's wrong? <laughs> and so like if you can feel that, then you can feel other human interactions beyond like physical touch even like because I think that's important too but like to not be able to assemble and be with people and Nicole was saying before we got on and I, I've noticed the same thing with my workshop and I know other people have as well like you run an event this year where people can come commune and be together it's insane like you sell out like I mean even if you normally sell out you sell out in a day you sell out in five minutes because yeah. people just want to go do something and they want to be with people and you can't possibly tell me that it doesn't have a negative effect on somebody's mental health when there's something they want to do that they know they should be able to do that they normally would be able to do. And now they can't do it and not, you know, 14 days to flatten the curve. How the hell did that work out for us? Right? Like you're going on a year now. And I think like my other thing that I'm really worried about suicide level going up is I think we're about to see a wave of evictions. Oh yeah. yeah. You want to talk yes. about kicking somebody when they're down, you lose your, like at least you have your home. Like, that's something I'm really scared for people about. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. My experience of of this whole thing, um, basically, you know, I've had times when I was getting stressed out by sort of the big picture of everything, and I would just, you know, cut way back on my my news consumption and that sort of thing. Um, But what really started to get me especially over the past few months um, that we've already sort of alluded to before, 
uh, is what happened with my day job. Now, on the one hand, I'm grateful that, uh, my day job did not disappear because of the lockdowns, like so many people's jobs did, right? And then, of course, you know, I've got my podcast as, as a side hustle, but that, you know, can't pay all my bills yet. Uh, but, you know, okay, my, my paychecks didn't stop coming from work. That's great. I'm not in danger of being evicted. That's wonderful, right? My wife's job, same thing. Both still have our jobs. But what happened to my job was they made all classes online for this semester that just ended. And most of the classes that I was teaching were classes I had never um, taught online before. And so I was starting from like blank slate. Literally, I'm building a bridge across a river with the people crossing the river breathing down my neck the whole time. Right. Mm. And so my paychecks kept coming in from the college at, like normal with the same amount of dollars. But I was probably working twice as many hours as I normally would. And it it's one of those things where sometimes the things that damage your mental health are like the big dramatic things, like a close loved one dies or something traumatic happens. And sometimes the things that harm your mental health are the, the little drip of water on the rock. Right. And, and that's, that's what really got me over the past, you know, three, four months was just, I was just at my wits end a lot of the time trying to handle um, and, and on paper, you'd be like, oh, look, you get to work from home now. You're going to have all this, you know, freedom. Like, no way. I, I was I, I was working way more hours than I did when I have to commute into work and, and uh, teach in person. And I hate teaching online anyway. Um, I just despise it for a bunch of reasons. And so basically for me, great that I still had my job, but the job turned into extremely stressful and unpleasant experience in a way that it normally is not. And so that's, that's what I've been struggling with in the little world, right? In the little world. Um, you know, starting off, you know, I, I probably did better than most people in the early phases of this because I am a, a bit of a prepper. Um, you know, so I wasn't completely uh, unprepared for, for getting through those early months when everything was weird. But, um, it's, it's been this semester at work and then it, it does things like, it eats into time I would normally put into my podcast. And so I haven't been able to podcast as often as I normally would. Uh, and that pisses me off because I like doing that, you know? Uh, and, and so that, that's, that's kind of what I've been dealing with is like how to try and keep my sanity, um, in the face of that, like little daily stresses, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I already have, um, I think genetic, tendencies towards depression uh it it runs in my family and so when i start to get stressed i start to get depressed and so that's how all this crap has been you know touching me directly and it's one of those things where you always feel kind of kind of dumb when you're talking about the stuff that's like really getting you down because no matter how bad it is there's always a zillion people that have it worse right yeah. yeah. Um, but, but again, the whole idea that like we need to, we need to, we need to not turn things into like a victimhood Olympics, almost in the same way as like the woke crowd does, you know, mm-hmm. where it's like, well, you're not quite as oppressed as this guy. So you've got nothing to complain about. It's like, no, everybody's got, everybody's got shit, you know, every, everybody's got things. And they need toilet them. paper. 
Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Part about being depressed. And at least we can find it now, right? Yeah. If you're um, on the plot looking at an empty roll, you're depressed, right? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I think it's only going to get worse too, because as as the whole COVID crisis and the economy, everybody starts to inflate the money. It's going to get worse and worse. There's going to be more people without jobs, and there's going to be more people who are depressed and you know having negative thoughts and stuff like that. I think a lot of people out there are probably watching thinking like, well, what's the Agora solution for mental health, right? And I don't know. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a psychologist. But I can tell you the one thing that you shouldn't do is to call the call the government police on somebody who's a suicidal person because uh, <clears throat> that never works out well. And that's a great way to get friends and family hurt. So, like I said, I don't know what the solution is, but don't call the police on a suicidal person. So that, that that's one Agorist approach to mental health. It's a good one. Friendly PSA. Don't fucking yeah. call police. Don't so point ever. a cop at somebody that you wouldn't point a gun at because when you point a cop at somebody, you're pointing a gun at them. And I, I, I don't say that. I'm not as hard on police as some people in our circle are. But, you know, when you're back to you're asking somebody with a hammer to take care of something that needs a scalpel like you, you, you really. And I mean, to be fair to cops, which I try not to do too often, um, they're not social workers. That's not their job. They're not there to be a social. They're not damn sure not psychologists. And there are some law enforcement officers that I think maybe would be right for that. But you're you're spinning a wheel and it's a really big wheel and there's only a couple on it that are going to be winners. And you're probably not going to get one of those. I, I imagine somebody that was highly trained in hostage negotiation tactics would probably be a good person to be dealing with a suicidal person. But, you know, Bill that just got back from the sand two years ago and got a job as a cop because that's where he could find. And he's still, you know, pumping roids at the gym that he can go to that you can't. That's probably not the guy to call on a dude that has a gun, right? That's threatening to hurt himself, right? I mean, that's probably not a good idea. And you don't know who you're going to get. You just, it's that big wheel. And nine out of 10 of those places that wheel can land is the wrong guy. And I, I wouldn't do it. There's some real horror stories out there. Getting help, but not, not through a cop. What's a cop going to do? Take you to jail? That helps suicide. I mean, people. they may take you to be committed. Yeah, right. you know, I mean, at best, or they might take you to just take you to jail. And you know what they do when they take you to jail? Mm. The first thing they do, like when they, because I went to airport jail. We won't get into that story tonight, but I went to airport jail <laughs> once, and uh, they they took my belt away. Right? They took mm. away everything I could use to harm myself, mm. because they know that you become a suicide risk when they lock you in a cage. So probably locking people that have mental health problems in a cage. Is probably in most instances not the right idea. Funny how they didn't take the belt from uh, Jeffrey Epstein, though, right? <laughs> no, they gave him sheets, man. He had yeah, right, right. He got, yeah. he got sheets. Right, right. Their and mental health doesn't count. If, if, if you're a, if you're a Democratic operative, your mental health isn't important. But that's that's another story for another <laughs> podcast, I suppose. Yeah. Well, there's... here's something I have a question about. <laughs> I was a little shocked to learn this year that most parents, it appears don't actually like spending time with their children or don't know how to spend time with their children. How long has that been the case? Has it been a hundred years, 50 years, 20 years? Like people are in agony over spending time with their children because their children are home and they're home. And while I understand like everybody needs space from each other in a family, like zero coping skills from the children or the parents. Well, like they just like all of a sudden they're together. They're like, oh my god, we've never been around together each other before. Now what do we do? 
Oh my God, the state! I can't sub out the parenting of my children to the state. I, what I now? I don't know. It's that, but it's just like wow. Well, I don't know about y'all, but like any chance I get to play Legos, I'm gonna take. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like we we were doing Hot Wheels and like building little ramps for them and stuff, and like that's the shit I live for. Like the kids don't care what the hell's going on around them, thankfully, because they don't know, and that's what makes them happy, and that's what makes them carefree, still carrying the spirit of life and and you know, joy. Like th- there's a, a quote that a friend of mine told me the other day. And it was that you are granted a cup of joy each day. You are guaranteed a cup of joy each day from the creator, whoever that might be to you. And it's your job to sit from it and to protect it and make sure nobody can take from your cup. And if you give them permission to take from your cup, then that's on you. So if you're losing your joy, it's because you're letting the things around you overwhelm you and say that they have control over you. It's essentially victimhood, right? But when you are an essential being that that you identify as something that lives forever and cannot be harmed, you are the divine soul, whatever you want to call it, child of God, then like all of these worldly things don't matter. It's it's who you who you are essentially, like that kid child nature that will play and in the face of all of these things, you know, and so I, I think it's important to play with your kids or to have, you know, that innocent playful time away from all of this nonsense. Yeah. Yeah, that that's been and that was badass by the way. That was pretty freaking hardcore badass. I, I what the Legos or the or the no, the whole thing with the cup of joy. That was Cup yeah. of Joy. That's a big shout out to my friend Ben. Yeah, that's that's pretty badass. But like the other side of that is like so like a person like CJ, I don't think you have kids do you CJ, but No, I have two. You have two? Yeah. 11, 11 and 15, yeah. Okay, so yeah, like you're, you're a perfect example. I'm sure you don't like not want to spend time with your kids, but if you got a guy like CJ who's used to, I'm going to go do my thing all day long, my kids go do their thing, then we come home, we spend time together, and now they're together, but he's working more, not less, and has to like handhold like 50 millennials through understanding the Middle Ages or whatever he's teaching that day, and his kids are going berserk in the house because they can't go outside. Right. Where, where he lives, it's not as bad. But imagine being the person that lives in a small apartment in New York with two kids where they literally cannot go outside. And you can see where, like, even if that person was really overjoyed about being with their children, it would become stressful because their life was not built around the idea that they would be together 24 hours a day. They didn't build their life that way. And I'm talking about, like, the housing situation as a whole. Like, you know, with a house the size that I have, if we had, if we were still young enough to have, you know, children living at home instead of grandkids that come and leave, which makes it easier, there's still enough room for everybody to go do their thing. And then there's big backyard and all. The people that are put in those little spaces, I don't think it's that they don't really want to be around their kids. I think it's that it's not logistically easy, especially when you go from, cause it didn't go like this. It didn't go like, now you're with your kids like a plane landing. It was like, yep, boom, there it is. Now here's your new life. And then it was also, well, it's going to be 15 days. Okay. Now, nine months later. I mean, because that's I, the fault. I love my grandkids, man. What's your perspective on this one? Because, you know, I love my grandkids, but there's days like when we have them here and we homeschool now here and all, and like, well, they're out working. And I'm like, where is your mother? <laughs> You're going my, home. <laughs> my favorite, my favorite part of the lockdown. Um, and it really wasn't fully locked down in Florida by that point, but my favorite part was the summer and it's partly cause I wasn't working. Right. Um, but it's also 
what did I do, you know, a whole bunch of days a week? Basically, summer camp with my kids. Right. Right. We're, we're boogie boarding, you know, at least once a week. We're going on hikes. We're going on bike rides. I'm getting them outside. We're doing stuff. It's hotter than hell here. Which always, I, I get, I get seasonal affective uh, disorder in Florida in the summer just because it's so damn miserable. <laughs> but even so, I'm having fun with them because, uh, you know, it's ridiculously hot and humid. But, but if you're in the ocean, it's not so bad. Uh, so yeah, my experience is the opposite of a lot of these people. That was actually another thing, yet another thing that annoyed me about how ridiculous my workload was this semester was, yeah, not as much time, you know, with my kids. I, I can't remember the last time we went and did like a, you know, like a day hike or, yeah, yeah you had a thing. different thing, right? Because like you had the lockdown and you were already like three weeks from the end of the school year. So you didn't have to deal with it that much in that initial thing, which I think is what a yeah. lot of parents just all of a sudden they had their kids doing. They called it homeschool. It was basically state school at home. Like and they're trying and like my grandson was a pain in the ass when that's he didn't want to do his shit. He didn't want to do his work. He would drag ass doing it all day. And, and people think I'm like harsh and I guess I am even with a 10 year old, but I like, I sat him down. I'm like, dude, I looked at your work. You could do that in two hours a day and you could be done. You could have freedom. You could do whatever you want for the rest of the day, but I guess you don't want to be free. And I walked away 10 year old. Like, I guess you don't want to be free. Just left him there with that. And like a day later, he's in the garage with my wife and he goes, grandma, I just want to be free. And then like, (laughs) Like once he made that switch though, like he tore ass into it. And now like he, we, we went ahead and said like, if he's going to be home anyway, we might as well do real homeschool and all. He gets his work done. He does whatever he wants. He walks in the door and he starts doing his work. We don't even have to say anything. And I think like if you can get kids into that rhythm, but I think parents, I mean, I know I did. My wife was in tears the first week. She's like, I don't know how we're going to be able to do this. Mm-hmm. And, and we also knew we had to. And I think that was the other thing. Like it wasn't a choice. And I think it's going to always be hard for people. Even people that are well-adjusted people, like when you're forced into a situation you don't want, that's the very definition of stress, right? Yes, that's how I felt about having to teach all online when I hate teaching online, pretty much. I, I had no choice. Um, what if you treated it like a podcast? <laughs> I mean, in a way, I kind of did. Yeah. But uh, but the, pro- the problem is just having to build everything in uh, Canvas, which is what we use for online classes. Oh, it, just, it is so freaking tedious and just just a pain. But um, plus, aren't you dealing with like the most terrified demographic that we have? Right, um, young millennial. Well, that's like, is that true. like they're all like the ones that think they're going to die in crap, and or or they're the complete opposite. It it depends, I guess. Yeah, you know they they didn't seem to be they didn't seem to be. From what I could tell, of course, it's, you know, class over, over Zoom, uh, so who knows, but they didn't seem to be all that, that fearful, I don't think. Um, I think enough of them are realizing, like, young people are not gonna get killed by the, by the COVID very much. But, um, I, I wanted to, I gotta leave, uh, before too long, but I did wanna throw out before we, before I have to bail, um, solutions, hacks, Kind of nuts and bolts things, uh, uh, things that, that have worked for you all, uh, anything that, that has been, you know, counterproductive or anything like that. Uh, so I'll just throw out what I've, what I've learned is that I, I, in a way I have to treat myself like a machine and, and in the sense that there's these nuts and bolts things that will make me feel better, that I intellectually know will make me feel better. 
but that I don't want to do. Like working out? Working out is actually something I like to do. Yeah. I, I, I actually got, got really, um, another thing that, that added to my problems the past few months. I got, uh, tendonitis in oh, my, no. my right elbow and my left wrist, and it's from spending zillion hours on the computer. And like people joke about carpal tunnel and whatever, but like it's no joke. It ain't no it's, joke. It's, it's no joke. And it, and it ruined my ability. I could still go running and stuff like that, but it, it ruined my ability to like lift weights and, and that sort of stuff. And that, that hurt my my mental health because that was that was one of the things I would do to make me feel better um but i i actually like like exercise and look forward to it um but you know it's other things that i know will make me feel better that I, a lot of times i would like making sure i get good sleep right um exercise and nutrition i'm i'm pretty good on you know ever since i lost 100 and something pounds or whatever i've got that dialed in but still that's that's important for people who are not you know uh disciplined on that but um just other other nuts and bolts things make sure to do things you love like i've had times where you know i've i've been a guitar player since i was 12 i've had times during all this where i don't touch my guitar for Right. For a few weeks and I'm like, Oh, what am I doing? You know, right. and I pick it up and I feel better like right away. Yeah. Um, things like that. And then okay. also time in nature. Time in nature is important. Time with kids, especially if you actually like your kids like I do. Um, and then let's see. Did I have one more thing? Oh, meditation. Dude, you're taking all of ours. How are we going to say now? (laughs) We're going to say, yeah, and meditation. Ditto. Well, meditation for me is one of those things where I I enjoy it while I'm doing it. And I feel better after I've done it. But before I do it, it's that resistance, right? Like in that book, uh, The War of Art. Uh, It's it's the resistance where sometimes I'll make it through the whole day and go, oh, shit, I never meditated. You know? Uh, no, No wonder I feel kind of. Right. No, not, not right in the head. But anyway, th- those are just so- some of the things that have been very helpful for me. And, um, you know, trying to, in, in all of this craziness and the days blurring together, trying to resist booze every evening, right? Trying to keep it to like a couple, couple of evenings a week and, and that's it. Um, that's, you know, that's been something I've had to every now and then be like, whoa, gotta dial it back, gotta dial it back. So, um, and, and it's, um, all, all of these things, you, you never get to the point where you go, I'm done, right? I no longer have to work on all these things. Right. Um, it's always an ongoing struggle. So anyway, those are just, um, I wanted to make sure I, I got all those in cause I do have to bail in like 15 minutes. That's all right. But, um, yeah, well, no, no, anybody want to anybody want to tell me I'm full of shit? These are bad things, or um, no, uh, want to drill into some more specifics or anything? I didn't mention. I'm sure there's there's plenty of other yeah. plenty of other stuff besides just what I mentioned. Well, I think everybody's individual answer on that for solutions is a little different, and it starts with spending time learning what you need. And um, I, Jack said this on his podcast once that you know I I deserve what I want. You figure out what you want, then you tell yourself, I deserve what I want. Learning to deserve what you want is really hard for people because we're not taught that. We're taught that we shouldn't take what we want, right? And and I think that mental shift is what you need to do to be able to understand, like, 
I'm happiest personally on an exercise world if I can swim in a pool. Do you know what COVID is not good for? Public pools. Mm. Right. And and I knock out meditation because all I'm thinking about is how many more lengths of the pool I'm going to swim. It's just a number in my head. And that's all I'm thinking about and breathing. And it's rhythmic and it's just Zen for me. Um, that for me in COVID, that's been the hardest exercise that I lost. And swimming in a lake is not the same as in a pool. I was a competitive swimmer in high school. So it's just like this thing I do where I just I go and I'm there and it fixes all my problems. and. So um, learning what you need is really important. And then figuring out how to do that when the public pools are all closed down. Like, how can I get that same element without being in a pool? Because sometimes. What hours did I jump over the fence with nobody seeing me? Yeah. I mean, I, I just started walking a lot is what I started doing, because it's at least if nobody's with me and my phone's off when I'm walking, I can start kind of doing some of those same mental things that I do in the pool. But. Once you know what you want and you know why, then if the if you know the metaphorical pool is not available, you can figure out, okay, what can I do next? Because it is up to you to figure out that thing, right? Or you'll end up just twisted. Yeah, I had to put together a home gym. Um I was a guy who who hit the gym like almost every day for a long time. And when the gyms closed for a couple months. I was totally up a creek, and one of the things that disappeared real quick when things started locking down was home gym equipment. And so it was very hard. Like, if I could come across a couple of 10-pound plates, I was, like, you know, hoarding them. Um, <laughs> so it 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 took me a couple of months to accumulate enough weights and, and equipment and whatever in my home that I could get a, a really good comprehensive strength workout. I was doing what I could. You know, I was doing body weight exercises and things like this, but – um you know, that was frustrating for me early on. So I totally get what you're saying where it's like you have to figure out, you know, you have to, you have to figure out how to um, fill in the gap. What about you, Sal? I got two. So number one, homeschool, right? Because going back to the, the initial thing, the, the initial problem that I saw was is Stockholm Syndrome. The solution is to get your kids out of the indoctrination camp. So, you, so homeschool your kids. That's number one. Like most of the problems that we've spoken about tonight are COVID related and all of that is comes from a miseducated public and an ignorant public. So get your kids out of the camps. That's, that's step one to having a, a mentally, a, a mentally healthy public. Um, the other thing is, is prepare, be sufficiently prepared. Listen to shows like Nicole's and Jack's and listen to X and all the people who talk about being prepared because that will sort of take off the, the anxiety. It's almost, it's almost like relieving a, a weight off your chest when you're prepared. You don't have to worry about, you, uh, it. you know, yeah, you don't, you don't have to worry about what's going to come next. So you, you're not really, you know, the only thing we fear is the unknown. So if you're sufficiently prepared for everything, then you're, you're really not going to fear anything. So those are my two. Be prepared and get your kids out of the camps. That's a good one. Jack? Yeah. Um, so I, I completely agree with get your kids out of the schools. The changes in my grandson I have seen have been amazing. I mean, it, it's, it's, amazing the difference in how he conducts himself, how he behaves, how he learns, how he gets excited about things. Uh, I, I can't agree with that enough. I I look at the public ed system as a, a horrible thing, and it's laying on the ground, writhing in pain, 
Stab it. Quit trying to save it. And that will do good for your mental health. Killing evil things makes men and women feel better. So let's kill that beast. Let's get rid of it. And we don't need it in our lives anymore. That is a huge thing. And then that transcends into you now have a sense of purpose. You're now taking on the role of doing what all parents should, educating your children. And I think one of the greatest things in the world to lift your sense of uh, of well-being is to have a sense of true purpose, to find meaning in your work. Yeah. And I think part of why I did so well this year was I had a purpose. Like in the middle of a pandemic, what where, where could you have more of a purpose than running a podcast on preparedness? Like, okay, I'm born for this. I'm made for this. This is my whole life's work sitting here in front of me. But I found myself at the very beginning kind of snapping at my audience a little bit, probably more than I should have, because they were freaking out. I'm like, I've been teaching you assholes for 12 years. Like, how are you not prepared on toilet paper after 12 years? How are you panicking over wheat berries after 12 <laughs> years of not realizing, okay, well, first of all, dumbass, you have people that started listening to you three weeks ago. Like, let's, let's be in touch with that, right? And then, but the other side of it was, I didn't realize I was actually having almost like, I don't know, some version of like survivor's guilt, but instead of being survivor, like being prepared to guilt, like, like I was so prepared for this. Yeah. I so didn't give a shit that I actually felt bad that people that I'd been trying to help work yep. or at least felt yeah, that they exactly. were. It's like, well, we might not be able to go grocery shopping for a week. I don't give a shit. It we don't have right. three months. Like if, if I didn't lose a deep freezer right before this shit started, I would have given a shit for eight months. I mean, like literally like this meant nothing to me from a logistical standpoint. Yeah. And then that was still stressful because now you're trying to help people that are in a panic mode. And all of a sudden I started getting all these requests for interviews and they were from people like, you know, we want you to come on and talk about COVID. So I'm like, I'm going to talk about this supplement protocol and we can do <laughs> yourself. And, and they're like, well, how do you get started prepping? I'm how like, you food? you're totally fucked now, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, how do I help you? And, and so to me, now that it is not that hard, I, I can't believe how quick people forget, right? Like, oh, yeah. okay, so nobody's prepared again because I no, prepping is already already. You go to the store and freaking like Washington state, they're already like wiping shelves out. LA County is already wiping shelves out because they only let 20% of the people in the store. They stand in a giant line for hours next to each other to go into the store and not be next to each other. And you're like, how, how are you in this position? Like if you live in New York city, I understand you have no place to put your food. I get that. Other than that, like, how didn't you learn from this? Like, it's not been hard to prepare since, like, June. You could pretty much get most of what you wanted. I mean, in June, I was fishing. You know, you guys were talking about meditation. Like, for me, meditation is a fishing pole. And having that little thin line and your finger on it and being connected with that that animal that you're kind of going to war one-on-one with on its own terms on the other end of it, that, that – that to me has been a big solution for me, but yeah, homeschool and be prepared. Like I, I, I totally agree with that and find whatever your meditation is, whether it's, you know, actually sitting in, in, in a, in a lotus position and, you know, visualizing the universe and being connected to it. And that was something that was a big part of my life many years ago. It's not really anymore. Now I get that same sort of sensation from fishing, being in the wilderness, working in the garden. Uh, I'm sure that since CJ plays guitar that you get that working out a lot of times you get into kind of a meditation when you're working out you know i i remember like i you know i, I used to have these these different like music lists really pumping up music and like you get into a workout and you're finished with your workout and you're like Phew, like you know and and you're still all keyed up on it and you didn't even realize you were done you're like okay what am i supposed to do now wait i'm done 
like that kind of getting lost in your work in a good way, whatever, and not necessarily your work, like your, your job work, but your work, your, your meaningful work on yourself, your meaningful work to help, help others, the meaningful things in your life. And I think that's part of what's hurt people, man, because so many people, that was the church for them. Right. I'm not a religious guy, but man, I respect the person that, that that is their thing. Like they lost that, that, that sense of purpose. I think that's one of the biggest things that's hurt people is, so you got to find something to replace that sense of purpose. And maybe yeah. defiance and just do it anyway. That might be, that might make everybody's mental health better. If I, I think defiance. we could end this tomorrow, if 20% of the people said, nope. I'm yep. not doing it, but we can't even get to that. And that's yep. frustrating for me. That hurts my mental health. Oh, last thing, my wife said, as soon as I told her we were talking about tonight, turn off the fucking television. Like that yeah. is like the number one thing you can do. I did that in 20, in 1996. Yeah. Shit. <laughs> um, CJ, you, you have something before you bounce? Yeah. 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 Um, with you on the fishing too, Jack, and that's been another thing annoying me, uh, is I've been so busy. I, I haven't gone fishing in a few months and that's also not, not, not good for my head. But um, on, on the topic of staying away from the news, I just have one more quick hack that I figured Unless out. The baseline has has done a lot, <laughs> which is yeah. Um, you obviously need to at least every now and then keep an eye on current events, just so you know, like if the riots are coming down your cul-de-sac or whatever, or the redcoats are coming down your cul-de-sac, you want to know that, right? Um, so you know, but I just found for me personally. I keep it, I keep it very limited in time, not just in, in duration, but when I do it. I have found that for me, I don't consume any current events type content in the morning or at night. If I do it, it's in the middle of the day. Right. Because if I, if I start, you know, tuning into the news or whatever in the morning, screws up my mood right from the get go. Uh, and if I, if I'm doing it before I go to sleep, Ruins that, ruins my, my relaxation, my sleep, everything like that. So I would urge everybody, cut back current events a lot, uh, news consumption, keep it in the middle of the day, or at least try, and, and maybe it'll work for you like it has for me. Uh, it's been great talking to you all. I got a bail. I'll look forward to uh, listening to the, the last half hour when the podcast drops. Thanks for later, CJ. Merry Christmas, New Year's. Thank you all. So on what he was saying there, this thing here, put this, and I'm hoping for the people on the podcast, Hold on, my cell phone. Put this away when you go to bed. Yeah. You're sitting in bed like this, like silence. And if you want to read or something, then read something like fiction. Don't even if you're big in a libertarian politics or you know agorist philosophy or whatever. Don't don't go there before bed and put that in your head before you lay down to rest. Like read about some sci-fi bullshit or something. Like unplug. And I I say that's the place for the real book because if you have this. You know, all of a sudden you're on freaking TikTok or whatever the hell kids are doing today. And, you know, you're, you're sucked back into that. Yeah. And man, I'm telling you that this device right here is the controlling device of humanity in so many ways. I mean, I mean, I love social yeah. media, right? Cause I'm a marketer and that's a great way to get my message out. We did a whole show on it last week, but. Oh, here's something that's going to blow your mind. Okay, so I want to answer his question, and then I've got we a have great a question. That is important. We, okay, we have a really great question from uh, Daniel in the in the in the chat right now. He's uh he's been very active in the Fireon uh, Telegram, but um, his name's Daniel Schmidt. He works on solar power and stuff. Really great dude. So um, the first thing I want to answer his question was um, I do all the things right, but like 
All of those things, like the meditation, the working out, I get up and I have a work that I do that's important to me. I'm working on business that's important to me that I feel is going to make the world a better place. I am actively engaged in resisting the current frequency or the current um, polarity of the planet, right? The fear polarity. And I'm saying, no, I'm good. If you're going to be extra fearful, I'm going to be extra fucking shiny. And, you know, um, so like, but all of those things have something in common. And that is withdrawing into yourself and, and being with that eternal present. I amness, right? Like playing guitar, you're, you're just playing. And that's what makes life worthwhile. That's what the kids enjoy all the time playing. So it's, it's almost a, it's not an escape. It's a, I am joyful despite this or despite what's going on. And that is super powerful and like preparing, you know, being able to go off into the woods with just a knife and know that you're going to be okay. Like that has created the most kind of confidence in my life that I, I don't, I don't even know how I can convey how, how comfortable I am in the world now because of that, no matter what happens. Right. Um, and a thinking mind. So that's, that's just an answer to that question. I get up really early. I do do the news like all the time. Like I'm, I'm, I'm constantly situational awareness. What's going on at the bigger picture. And this is the reason because if you know how radio waves work, they send a signal and they send the data on that signal right now. When a bunch of humans all react to the same news story at the same time and have the same emotional frequency, it's a literal frequency. And you can propagate information on a standing wave of people that are all afraid. So that's like you have to have self uh, self auditing, right? The ability to look at your own thoughts and audit what you're thinking and why and then exert some discipline and control onto that and choose what frequency or, or you know, I was taught this as a kid. It's like your brain is like a radio wave or a radio and you can always choose what channel you're paying attention to. That's your thoughts. And when your thoughts go fearful, you're sending a chemical reaction through your body and you experience that and you ride that. And unless you're able to control your thoughts and what you're thinking about, you can't control the chemical reaction that goes on in your body. So when you talk about fasting, when you talk about meditating, when you talk about all of these things, it all goes back working out, playing music. It all goes down to to controlling the, the little chemical reactor in your body that starts with your brain and your thoughts. So that's my little bit on that. And now the question, it's a really great question. So do you think mental health conditions, depression, anxiety, etc., are evolutionary responses to the demands for adaptation to in what is currently an insane world? Like if this is like, how do you interpret mental health um, issues as a evolutionary response to the changing world for I think when we got out of survival mode, like just covering food every day and mm-hmm. water. Um, the mental issues have been there. We, we have an, an interesting way of categorizing them. It's very vast now, but if I look at old literature, the mental issues, if you read the stories, the mental issues are in those stories that had to come from somewhere, right? Like, so right. I don't have CJ's historical perspective. I have more that I'm, I'm really into literature and language and there were mental issues there. They were just not as classified as we have them now. I think our society propagates mental issues through subjugating them or making them something you should hide so we don't deal with them openly. Yeah. But um, 
I'm not sure it's an evolutionary thing. Like it's just going to get worse and worse and worse. I mean, that said, we've also been programmed to respond to things emotionally. I think as a society in, in, in the U S at least to where people have completely turned off their ability to think. But then again, I go back and I look at literature that's 500 years old and that same type of reaction was happening in the literature. So I'm not sure it's new. And I am sure of one thing. We haven't figured out how to deal with it yet. Do you think it has anything to do with sophisticated civilization? Like there were crazy people in Rome, right? Like, but were there crazy people in the village in, you know, Uganda or somewhere? Um, you know, like, but are, like, Jack, you're nodding your head. Why don't you? Yeah. Let me yeah take like, so I think that like you're hitting on it. Like when Nicole was talking there about survival mode, I see, I think the problem is that we actually think of our hunter gatherer ancestors as always being in survival mode and, and humans are incredibly adaptable creatures. And we had this vast period of, we still debate it, but it's hundreds of thousands of years at a minimum where we were hunter gatherer uh, folks and we lived in, in various ways. And we, that doesn't necessarily meant we were all nomads, right? If we moved, we moved when we needed to. So when we had, you know, fairly sparse populations in jungles with lots of stuff, we didn't tend to go anywhere. We had little villages and stuff like that, but I don't think we had as many of the mental problems as we have because we were living in a natural state. So I think evolution is an issue, but I don't think it's so much of an evolutionary response. It is, we didn't evolve for this. This is not the way we're supposed to live because think about you, you use the word survival mode, Nicole, but like, so a guy that has a great job all of a sudden loses it because COVID he's in survival mode in his mind because how am I going to provide myself a place to live? How am I going to feed my kids? How right. am I going to handle this? How am I going to be a good dad? How am, like, so if you are, if you find like the few remaining indigenous societies still living by their traditional ways, they don't give a shit about this at all. They right. don't care. Like none of this matters to them. Like, what do you mean? How are you going to feed your kids? Like, I'm going to go over here and pull this log open and give my kids some worms. Like, like, you know, like, or they're going to club this animal over the head or I'm going to go to the river and I'm going to fish and I'm going to feed my kid piranhas or whatever. Like, I, I just think of like all the places in the world that I've been to that if like I could be dropped into that place and they'd be like that poor bastard. I'd be like, you come back. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to gain weight. I might right. not have all the doodads coming in from Amazon or whatever, but like my basic needs and this planet was developed. We, or we, I should say, this planet was developed when we began to develop and co-evolve with it. And so we evolved to live on what this planet provides us. And, and, and we have indigenous societies that have lived literally in the Arctic freaking circle through the middle of the deserts into the jungles all over the planet. And we didn't have half this shit as a problem until we got fucking civilized. And the day that the people that were psychopaths among us figured out that, hey, we can grow grain and we can put these motherfuckers in buildings next to this field of grain and we can put the grain in a silo instead of letting them fucking eat it and we can save it and we can put down on a piece of paper that there's a certain amount of grain in the silo and this ticket gets you so much of it and use that as money and create banking, that's when we fucked everybody up. Yep. So, yeah, it's evolutionary related, but it's because we're not – we didn't evolve to live this way. Now, I don't think that everything about modern society is bad. I'm, I'm a pretty comfortable person. I like being comfortable. But if you're going to live this way, then you have to bring enough of that kind of caveman with you yeah, so you're gonna be fucked in the head. Like yep. you have to know the game, and you have to build your 
peripheral system that this preparedness stuff we talk about, there, there's a reason for that. It's so that you are like the guy in the jungle. Right. He doesn't give a shit. As long as the jaguar doesn't eat him, as long as he can find some shit to rub on the back of a frog and shoot a baboon and eat it, he doesn't care. He's good. And you have to kind of create that for yourself or you're going to have mental problems because you're not you as a being are not supposed to be living this way. You're not supposed to be living worried about whether or not you're still going to be able to feed your kids tomorrow because you evolved as a being where everything you needed was already here. Yeah. And, and to me, so I think it is, a, if that makes sense, I know I'm ranting now, but like, no, it does on the money. I think I could sum it up what you said in this way. A wolf is to a domesticated dog as an agorist and prepper is to a drone human or NPC, as people are saying. And it's, and it's inherently because they don't have the skills that they are inherently scared to deal with reality because they don't know how. Sal, your thoughts. I don't know. Is, is the mental health, the condition of the mental health, the condition of the American public, is there mental health an evolutionary thing? I don't know. I sort of, like I said, I think it's just a response to the, the indoctrination of the public schools. I think it's, it's to be said, if we're going to be concerned about the mental health of any group of Americans, it should be the politicians, right? That's the sort of evolutionary, uh, you know, they're the ones whose, whose mental health has been screwed up, right? They're the ones who, who seek to dominate and control other, other people. That's, that's a, a condition. They're the ones who, who we need to be concerned about. It's not really the rest of us. The rest of us are really just responding to the, to the stimulus here. And that's, you know, some, everybody responds different, differently. Some mm-hmm. people cower and hide and some people, you know, take a more proactive approach like, like us. So, I think it affects everybody differently, but at the end of the day, it is. That's really interesting that you just said that because what I think Dan was trying to get at is like, is there another phase of human development or are we going to advance or grow into something? And, and like, it's kind of like things don't change unless they're put under stress, right? Like coal doesn't turn into diamonds unless it's put under pressure. Steel doesn't turn into a sword unless you beat the shit out of it. Like things don't become that which they are supposed to, let's say, until they go through the, 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 the stress of having to adapt, right? Um, and that maybe the insanity of this civilization at some weird level that's beyond our reckoning is like a, uh, a pressure cooker in order for us yeah, a crucible of sorts for us to manifest our, like, our true nature, like, uh, the X-Men and, and Marvel and stuff, like, in, when a, a mutant is a teenager and they go under a tremendous stress, that's when their uh, powers appear, right? And it's almost like, could this be an opportunity for humanity for, like, we've been on this game for a while now, you know, preparing and being aware and understanding what's going on and being like, the minority, like trying to wake people up. And then all of a sudden, all of these people are waking up now and we've sort of been there. So it's almost like we have this seminal moment in my, in my thinking, because I'm such a positive motherfucker that like we have this opportunity to really galvanize and kickstart the next, uh, level of development or understanding. And that all of these mental health issues are a signal to a need to develop that and to, to, to grow into that. Thought, really, that's, that's sort of how part of the answer is to go more tribal, to find your community. So it's to back up. Yeah. And it's to also, isn't that what, like, 
Isn't that what agorism is all about? It's all about finding, it's about turning, taking problems and turning them into solutions. And, and like you said, going through that, that sort of crucible, it's using the, that, that state imposition as a sort of crucible to create a more efficient alternative. That's really the essence of counter economics. Yeah. Jack, you were going to say something too? Well, I just think that like you have way more faith in humanity than I do. I think like if you want to compare it to like mutants or something, that's a pretty good analogy. It's a pretty small number of the total population. Um, I'm back to, I don't think we're supposed to live this way. And I think that the, I, I, I love beating up on the state school system, so I won't apologize for it. But as we were talking about kind of indigenous cultures and all, what, what occurred to me there is there is no indigenous culture that, that puts all of its children into a room to learn. Yeah. It doesn't There's exist. No civilized it never culture. existed until, yeah. until we had agriculture and, and towns and communities and cities. And we were training instead of teaching children, we were training them to grow up in this unnatural state and fill a role, a cog to go into yep. the machine, a sprocket to go into the machine. <laughs> but yet I would assert that the average indigenous young person is well beyond educated to anything we do with our kids today. They may not know how Google works or how to, how to use a Pythagorean theorem or whatever, but how to create derivative instruments and trade them on exchanges. Right. They, they don't know how to do that. But if you, if you took a, a 12 year old indigenous child and, and, and kind of put him off in the woods, he's not going to kill himself. And, and a grown ass adult will, right? Like don't the little kid to be saying something in his native language that the older person doesn't understand that basically is don't eat that. You stupid bastard. You're going to die. Right. Yeah. And they'll put the, they'll, the digit house right in the mouth and fall over and die. And that's it's like so they are very well educated for their life to live it. And instead of what we're doing with our children, we're training them. And I, I, I think we're also at a point now where maybe maybe we've hit like a ceiling on how much the frickin mind can take with multi-generational conditioning like this like we like okay this was kind of worked in the industrial age and we you know we kept going since about the 1880s is when we've had this modern school system and maybe just like that's enough generations to where people are freaking breaking now yeah and, and maybe that's what you know I, I do think the marxists have corrupted the uh, college system and all but maybe like it shouldn't work if the child was thinking right anybody with any logic this shit shouldn't work on but yet it does right. and maybe it's just they've been my my father used to say that the ultimate goal of the people in power was the complete and total domestication of the man. Yes. Right? To completely domesticate men to the point where, and when he said that, he was actually kind of taking a dig at women. He was an old, old school guy and all, but literally to the point where we were more feminine than women and, and not necessarily in our look or our actions, but in our ability to cope with things like, yeah, and I know that's sexist, but I know, but with now a longer range understanding, I, I get a better understanding of what he was actually trying to say, Neanderthal-like, that bringing us to the point where the wolf to the dog, like you said earlier, right? Like where we're obedient, we'll do what we're told, we'll, we'll sit down when we say sit. Like, you know, one of the things that's interesting about wolves, even if you raise a wolf from a pup, and it, if you point, no matter how much you train them, they won't look where you point. They don't work that way. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to look where I want I can hear and see fucking everything. I don't need you to tell me what's going on. I can smell a rabbit under that bush 50 yards away. I know what's going on. I got this. Yep. I'm listening. I'm not looking, right? Where a domestic wolves. dog will be like, the domestic dog looks right where you point. Yep. And they, that's what they want us to do. They want us to still look like 
humans, but they want us to act like domesticated animals. The human farm. So the, here's the thing, right? If a, a wolf pack works on merit, and usually it's a family pack. It's not like this whole, like, the most toughest wolf is the one that it's usually the dad and that the, all the little siblings are either children and or extended relatives, right? Yeah. And the, or the grandparents who walk in the back. You know, it, it's like a family unit, literally. Yeah. Now, what... What is missing in our current society, and I don't know how to, and this is what, what Fireon will work towards doing, is how to build that, that tribal connection that we all want in a sophisticated, larger system, right? But with, like, freedom cells, like with what John's doing, like, you have, like, pods, you have groups, you have guilds, you have all of these things. But the, the thing that's really missing is the merit. What we have is we have usurpers, uh, sniveling, sneaky fucking tricksters who are like, who have gotten into the positions at, that somehow the system was created to create these positions of power. And those motherfuckers have found their way into it and have used it to their own gain. They don't have the merit. They don't have the intellect. They don't have the, the, the inspirational qualities required to get people to do things. So they have to force them in manipulation. Authority. Right? Well, what, what's authority cool about mandate. what they've done is they've like double crossed everybody. And under the guise of fixing bullying, they use bullying right. to pressure people into being their slaves. Now, if we had a system the that could... you're supposed to use to do the actions you're supposed to do, to live the life you're supposed to live, you get bullied to do that. Right, and, I mean, like social uh, justice. But they don't call it bullying, but it's bullying. Right. Yep. And, and then you call it bullying, um, the people who are smart are, are, do have enough grace to look embarrassed for a second. Right. So it's like, where are the dignified people who can inspire people to action and to their best selves? And why are they not in fucking positions of power? Because they don't want that responsibility. No, no. no I, mean, I don't think anybody here would take a position of power. Like we don't like if you said, Jack, do you do you want to be president or senator or something? Hell no. No. I mean, I actually don't vote been for me. about running for the house and I'm like, get the away from me and it was a long time ago too it's not like the the modern anarcho jack it was like the guy that still believed in small government republican government man like <laughs> hey you'd make a good congressman even then i was like oh no 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 i don't want to do that you know yeah. and i got it i got talked into doing it for the uh, libertarian party one time and it started to actually pull well and it scared the shit out of me and it was like <laughs> i didn't do this to win i did this to like just be a dick you know like to, yeah. to make a third choice on a ballot you're honest and that's what people want and like the, but the like anybody in their right mind does not want to be responsible for other people or have that karmic debt let's say i mean the last person who tried to do that got nailed to a fucking tree and every fucking war since then has been blamed on him you think he's going to come back and show up like seriously you know what i mean politics attracts the lowest of the low yeah it, it, yep. it really does and i you know i i think that the part of the conditioning in this domestication has been and i don't care what part of the political spectrum you're on, if you are on the actual political spectrum, you either believe government gave you rights, the Constitution or some form of government document protected your rights, or God gave you rights, right? Well, first of all, God gave you the rights. Since God's almighty, you'd have your rights and you don't. So that doesn't work out. The, Constitu the, the, the Constitutionalist says the Constitution protects my rights. Well, you don't have your fucking rights, so that didn't work out either. And the government granted you rights. Well, no one can grant you freedom. Right? The only so, way you get rights is you take your rights. Fucking a right. That's, exercise, that's, them. exercise a right. You 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 do your and right. You sometimes your that right. means you get killed for taking your rights. I'm sorry, but that's that's, that's right. what it does. It's just like it does, that's, but that's your possible repercussion for that. 
Until but, you know that right there, you can't behave like a normal human because even where you and I might go, okay, these bastards did this thing and I know that I'm going to pick my battles and I'm not going to assert my right this way. We at least know that we've made that choice and mm-hmm. we know that, and I'm going to do this another way where you can't freaking get your arms around it. So that we can rebel like the humans that we really are instead of being little bitch freaking slaves. <laughs> just lay down and take yep. it every day Amen. and then are stupid enough to believe, well, I'm free. And this ties into your mental health, because unless you are willing to die, unless you are not afraid of death, you can never be free because you will be enslaved by that fear. And that's what the, the, the whole system is set up to do is to play on your fear of death because you've forgotten what you truly are, an eternal being that will come through many different iterations of this whole experience forever and ever. And thank God you don't remember it all. Right. So. Like that's if once you are keyed in on that and not afraid anymore, then you are truly free. Nobody can do anything to touch your fucking cup of joy. You know, and okay. like I think people need to understand when when he's talking about that. Like that does not mean that if somebody walked in right now, put up a gun to his freaking head, and he had no way he could come come back to it, that moment of death might not be terrifying. But it does mean the general fear of death is not something present in his life, right? Like you don't know how you're going to actually face an absolute potential death until you do it. I will tell you that you do. I've had a couple experiences where I thought I was going to die and I had complete and total acceptance at that point, but you don't know what you're going to have when that hits. And it was incredibly peaceful and then nothing happened. Right. But I, I think you're right until you get there to where, in general, I'm not worried about like I'm gonna like, like death is a guarantee, right? There is nobody here is gonna get out of it. We're not gonna download our brains into an automaton or some shit like that. We're all gonna die. If you know something is going to happen, if you know it's inevitable, right? Is as Shakespeare wrote, like death is a fitting end will come when it will come. And when you get there, you can actually be human again because back to that indigenous society, right? That that dude does not want the jaguar to come down out of the tree and eat him as or his kid. But he just accepts that the Jaguar is there. And that's why he can live like a human. Yeah. So we were talking about fear, Sal. You had something you wanted to say. Um, no, I was going to go back to what uh, we were talking about politics and, and, you know, how it attracts the lowest of the low. And I think that's an important aspect of mental health is to, to you know, do something you like. And that's, you know, going back to agorism. Be an entrepreneur, right? Find your passion and, and develop it into a side hustle and try your best to expand that and to make it as much of a part of your life as possible because that'll sort of give you a feeling of purpose. It'll give you a reason to wake up and jump out of bed every day instead of being, you know, one of these slaves who are like we were saying earlier, who just watch the news and just drone on about their day. So that was that, that, that was just a. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, I think you're right. Like, exert your wolfness right like exactly yeah because it's in there we all have it so somebody on on the youtube chat asked about drugs our thoughts on drugs freedom mental health yeah and i mean i don't know that i would ever take a drug to help my mental health but um no, I, I'm and guys on the podcast, I'm pointing to my my glass of bourbon. bourbon. <laughs> um, yeah. It's it's hard if you are not the person who is helped by a mental health or, or a mental altering drug to have an opinion about it, because unless it's working for you, 
then your opinion is going to be no, I think. Um, I have seen people work with professionals and do really well with with um, anti-depression drugs. And I have seen anti-depression drugs drive people to suicide. So for my perspective on that is if you're going to explore that, do it under observation and 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 don't just give up ownership of your mental health at that point. It's not the drug fixing it necessarily. I think you still have to put in the work to make the time to become a mentally healthy person, whether drugs are involved or not. But understand their role in it. I think they're a domestication tool. Go ahead, Sal. Stay away from anything that's approved by the FDA. That's that's, yeah. that's step one. Any sort of drug that has that's FDA approved, you can guarantee that's going to get into a whole mess of trouble. That's number one. Um, I don't really believe in in taking uh, drugs for mental health. Um, <clears throat> you know, especially like recreational stuff like that. I mean, I'll have a beer with you, or I'll smoke a joint with you, or something like that. But I'm I'm not going to uh, rely on a substance to be happy. I think that's sort of that's not really a, a good idea. Agreed. Um, so, like, when you look at, like, prescription medications, if we start there, um, I, I agree. I've seen people who mentally improve when they're on some sort of, of pharmaceutical. And it doesn't necessarily mean it fixes the problem at all. You could have something like, let's say you've got something stuck in your back, but you don't know it and your doctor doesn't fight and you have pain. And you take pain medication. Well, that problem's still there, but it hurts less. And I think a lot of times... With pharmaceuticals for mental problems, that's where we're at. However, there are people who are literally batshit freaking crazy and do better on medication. And I'm not going to deny that because I think that's an illogical argument. Is it the best course? I don't know. But like, if you have a schizophrenic with multiple personality disorder that, that that's trying to pull trees out of the ground, which is something I witnessed at one point in my life to the point where they dislocate their shoulders and you can medicate them and they they actually can function maybe that's a good thing maybe i don't i can't say that it isn't um on the other side on like recreational drugs i think if you have anything that like i feel bad so i'm going to smoke marijuana or if i feel bad so i'm going to drink booze that i don't think really is ever a good approach because it becomes a crutch and then it becomes used more and more and more and it destroys lives yeah i do think certain Natural substances, specifically things like cannabis and other uh, psychedelic medications or drugs or call them substances, whatever you want to call them. I do think they can actually empower people mentally, but not if they're used to fix a problem. So you, I think people really, you know, we've all talked about jokes about look at my hand and all this great conversation we had when we were high and then we recorded it and it was stupid. <laughs> I mean, it happens, but I do think that people can have some level of transcendental experience through natural substances. Mm -hmm. And if it's done when you're in a good state, it can expand that state. And I think that's a very different thing than I feel bad, so I'm going to go smoke a dime bag. Like, that's a totally different approach to it. And I do think that, like, I don't want to do it because I have some issues that I'm concerned it would, it would cause some physical problems with, but like the, like, Rogan's always talking about like DMT and ayahuasca and stuff mm-hmm. like that. I think that there is for some people a place for that, like that will crack open something locked up inside them and I, maybe help them find what, what Xavier and I have found from other things, which is I'm not afraid to die anymore. Yeah, I agree. I think that there, there's a balance with all the things. Like I know people who I took uh, an antidepressant maybe like 20 years ago. I was late 
early twenties, super depressed. The world sucked. I was like, what the hell? How am I going to make my way in this crazy world? I don't want to lower myself to do all of these other stupid shit. Like, and I, I took it for like three days and I was a zombie. I was happy. I had like, Oh, I was just like, you know, hey, everything's cool. And, and then I realized like I wasn't feeling anything and I couldn't, I was like, that's it. Nope. Done. And I was like, I will figure this out, whatever it is. And I found that it was like, it was a crutch in a sense. It was like a tool for domestication. Like I was not empowered. And then I self-medicated with uh, cannabis for a very long time. Um, and that helped or so I thought. And then when I stopped and I, I like, I, I don't, I don't even drink hardly ever. Like, like literally the only time I drink is with you guys. It's, you know, and, and that's every now and again. Out of the know? bottle, right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, that influence. But like, I hard, You're like, yeah, I hardly ever <laughs> drink or, you know, um, I will drink creative every now and again and I like it. But, um, other than that, no, I, I, I've been pretty much straight edge and figured like, Whatever I'm going to deal with, I'm going to have to figure it out and deal with it. Now, I know that medications work for some. And like to Jack's point about the uh, psychedelics, like in a ritualized setting that the traditional people have done for thousands of years or whatever, like it can be a really beautiful thing. It, 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 it gives you that experience that people are going to the church trying to figure out what what's on the other side. It gives you that it shows you see it, you know, if it's done in the right way. Um, it can be very dangerous because you, you, if you're not, um, disciplined or if there's not somebody there to watch over you, you can go spin out into complete fucking madness. So it, it, it's like a, it's like a fine line, but, um, each to their own, you know, there are people who, who it does help. So in one of our earlier episodes, we talked about our brain as a computer and how as you become more agorist, you re you retrain your computer to perceive things differently. Mm-hmm. Like when when an authority says no, you're like, okay, I'm gonna do it anyway. So how can I do this? Do it. Yeah, different question. It's not like eh, okay, I won't do it. And I think that also fits with what what I know I do mentally when I'm like right now, literally in the middle of ongoing psychological treatment is I am reprogramming my responses to things so that they're more positive so that I have a better, happier outlook. On right. That, right. And, and I think that's an important piece to talk about. And it, it sounds all kumbaya, but it's, it's, it's not easy, right? There's work, there's, there's dedicated time I put into, I mean, the way I'm doing it is writing in the journal in, and then I'm sharing that with the, the psychologist, um, I think the drugs really can, they can be used as a tool to shock you out of a negative cycle so that you have the time to reprogram your computer. Right. Because it's, it's really important to be purposeful about how, you know, like, okay, we've done this cycle nine times, like the 10th time, let's do something different because the last nine <laughs> times it didn't work. Right. That's, you know, that's, as I watch the world go through the cycle of COVID, which is just another rotation of worse. But yeah, I think we also need to learn how to like be okay that we're upset or be okay that we're sad. Yeah. Be okay. Yeah. That we just don't feel good for a couple of days. Like dude, I, that's I, the I hardest remember, part. I can't remember the guy's name, but there was like this old ass rabbi that was talking about, I, I saw this video somewhere and he was like, if humans were like lobsters, we would never grow because the lobster grows to a point where it, it outgrows its shell and it's very uncomfortable. 
So then it has to go through that discomfort, shed its shell, and then it can grow to another, a new size. Human beings, we would get to the point where we would be discomfort and we would go to a doctor and then they would give us a drug that would make us comfortable so we didn't have to shell, you know, shed our shell and be vulnerable. Right. Right. And where the, the lobster doesn't have that option. So I don't think we have a lot of depressed lobsters. Right. Lobsters, I mean, their life is pretty boring and all you have to look forward to is being dipped in butter. But yet they get along fairly well. Right. Because they're living as what they are. And I think we are so disconnected from what we are that we now equate any trauma, any pain, any stress, anything in our lives that's uncomfortable in any way is something that has to be eliminated. We don't see the opportunity in it where. I think, you know, like we're talking about agorism, like when you have, when you think like an agorist, it, it, when somebody says you can't do something, the first thing is, well, how am I going to do that anyway? When there's a problem, you're thinking, how am I going to make money on that? Right. Or how can I help somebody else make money on it since I don't have to? But immediately when something comes in front of you, that is something that, that is an obstacle, the, the immediate thought is, how can I overcome this? Where I think metaphorically, what the average person is thinking with all obstacles is, how can I make this go away? Right. How can I not deal with this? Because there's a difference between there's a wall in front of me, so I can climb over it, I can cut a hole in it, I can throw a rope up and climb over it, I can get a chainsaw and cut a hole in it, uh, I get four of my buddies and we push the wall over. But what the, 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 the mainstream solution for people is today is, I don't like that wall. Somebody make it go away. And, and well, I think we can take that into our mental health too. I don't like the way I feel. So somebody make it go away instead of like you're doing, Nicole, you're doing work to deal with it. Right. That's cutting the hole in the wall. That's pushing the wall over, what have you. It's not saying somebody make this go away. And I think so many people, that's what they want. They just want whatever's wrong to go away. And Sal keeps bringing up politicians, man. I don't think we can leave that out because <laughs> if you live your life and so many people do believing if I can just get the right people in office, It'll all get oh better. My gosh. You will be depressed Biden's because you're going to live a man. life he's, of perpetual disappointment. Everything. That's a mental condition, right? Yeah. yeah. Is, is it insanity doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results? Or so they say, that's the, that, that's the typical American voter. So I used to vote many years ago. I'm talking like 25 years ago. And I'm like, how did I ever believe this? <laughs> I, oh, no. like, you know, I will admit point, like, on this show that I voted for Bernie Sanders. Oh yep. my God. I no, voted I, for Bernie Sanders because I so didn't want Hillary to take that's, the that's, nomination. I, 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 I that's recent. Thing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, my yeah. heart hurts. I did the same thing. It was hard, thing. but I was like, I just voted for a socialist, but whatever. Like, I really yeah. don't like Hillary. Well, so I, I said in a recent episode of Baseline that the United States is basically like a 250 year old hissy fit in the eyes of the royalty who were still like tyrannically. Oh, I saw that one. Yeah. Right. And, and it's true. It's like we had an opportunity to actually self-direct and we kind of put a system together that might work. You know, it was a big fucking experiment, but it was essentially because otherwise we would not exist. Agorists would not exist. We would be thrown in chains. We like we would not be able to live unless we complied. And that is at, at the very heart of against and not because we're like rebels in that regard, but because we are undomesticated. We have had the opportunity to realize what's important and become undomesticated again. Now, the only reason I'm engaged in any kind of political thought or discourse at this time is because if that goes away, it goes back to the fucking the pens for everybody. And I can't I won't exist in that world. No. So uh, I, I I get the agorist like just leave me the fuck alone. 
but I'm also a little bit like, we got to organize and do something. Otherwise that you, we're not going to be able to be left alone. And that's so, why you need to be at the event on January 16th. If you can, that's right. The freedom cell movement, the freedom cell uh, gathering up in Tennessee. Yep. So volunteer yeah. state. There you go. So it's 10 o'clock. This is my bedtime. <laughs> Wait, what? I wake up at 4:30 every morning now, so I like I gotta I pretty early. Yeah, who wants to wrap us up? Well, I can wrap. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, so tonight's episode was brought to you by the letter Mental Health, and we are sitting here discussing how you can maintain good mental health in the in the crazy world as it's unfolding right now. Um, we've heard from Nicole Sauce, Jack Spirko, Sal Mayweather, and CJ Kilmer, and myself, Xavier Hawk. I hope you had a great time. Thanks for all of the uh, engagement in the chat and also in the uh, the video, the live chat, and for the good questions. Like and subscribe. Like and subscribe. Unloosethegoose.com. The telegram is t.me slash unloosethegoose. And hit that bell for notifications. Yep, and click the notification bell. And thanks to Wendy. I think Wendy's one of the people who do the um, – whenever we do have uh, actual websites and places for people to visit, she does the transcription. Is that right? Transcription. You mean the show notes? Yeah, show notes. Um, that was Melissa. Yeah, we get a lot of help from Melissa. Shout yeah. out to Melissa. Melissa. Sorry, Melissa. Thank you so and much. And Wendy and everybody else. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for everybody tuning in. I'm glad you guys are listening because, you know – if if you nobody listened, it would just be four to six people yelling at each yeah. other. So hey, can I can I ask a question before we sign off though? Sure. Yeah. So Jack and I are bugging out of this world for two weeks to take care of our mental health. One of the things I do to take care of my mental health is I close for two weeks between now and like January fourth. Mm-hmm. Well, not now, but you know, a couple days from now. Um, are we having episodes during that time or is the whole goose crew shutting down and reevaluating our world and doing Who's art? Who's got the keys for the YouTube? Do? I'm going to pay yeah. something. Nicole right has now. the keys for the know. YouTube, but she can loan the keys to one of y'all. I mean, I, yeah. I, I suggest that we all kind of take a break and, it, but it's up to y'all. I mean, I'm not going to say you can't. Yeah. Well, I thought something that might be interesting, and this I'm just putting it out there, is like maybe hosting a Zoom chat with whoever in the in the audience would want to join in and have like a discussion with the audience. And I could moderate or Sal, you know, whomever. Um, I've done a number of Zoom chats that way with a group of people that I didn't know before, and it turned out to be really awesome. So that I'll, I'll special. Yeah, I, I'm. I'll, I'll offer to do that. I got some too. Like I'm not going to work, but I'll play games. And I, I forgot to bring this up in this episode, like. Communing with people, playing games, having fun is a good thing. So uh, my podcast, the survivalpodcast.com, has a Discord server. You can go by the survivalpodcast.com, click on Get Social, and join our Discord server. We're working on kind of a, a goose wing of the TSP, in, pun intended, uh, Discord server. We're kind of working on it. We're trying to figure out how to automate where goose people will know goose answers and be able to get goose identifiers and get into the goose wing where other people can't get to. So that's a different thing. But in the general Discord chat now, we have a, a channel in the on our Discord called Gifts Against Huge Manatees. Yes. Like Cards Against Humanity. And we play a game very much like Cards Against Humanity. We have integrated uh, uh, pirate chain 
cryptocurrency in there. You can win Pirate Chain. You can get a little bit of Pirate Chain because people will tip you, or you can use our philosophy. You can learn how to do that there. But the GIF Against Humanity game is fun, and I will do it a couple times during the shutdown because you can just kind of do it on the fly. You come into the board, and what happens is instructions, you issue a command, and it gives a challenge phrase kind of like Cards Against Humanity, something like, Grandma got out of her parking ticket by, and then you, as players, can put up to two gifts per round. They've got five minutes to do it. Gifts, and everybody knows what gifts are, the little fake video I thought thing. they were gifs. Gifs, gifs, whatever. No, no, no. I'm just mem, fucking with gifs. It does not sound like a J. But anyway, like, so you put those in there, and then whoever issued the challenge picks a winner and tips like a half R or one R. Uh, cryptocurrency, you know, 17 cents or something like that. Is yeah. Very so it's, cool. It's a, low, it's a low ante game. And if That's you have awesome. a bunch of people playing, it's, it, it could spread out. Um, but it's fun. And I mean, it's, it's freaking side splitting. And the, the tech guys are trying to figure out how to set up a, like a voice room where you can be talking while you're playing at the same time. <laughs> We're not yeah. there awesome. That's going to be badass. But. Playing games, guys, man, it's fun. And like, we came up with that. If anybody says nothing good comes from social media, bullshit. We invented that game in a day. And by the end of the day, they had all of this stuff done. That's and so we great. had games roll and they're probably playing right now. That's awesome. awesome. And that just made me think of something. While you guys were talking earlier, like, we're all like, you know, we'll resist. Everybody said it at the same time. I'm like, Oh, these guys are all chaotic good. If we were, if this were Dungeons and Dragons, like that would be the, the thing. And that made me think, now that you say games, like why don't we have like a Christmas, uh, Dungeons and Dragons special where we all like make characters in the background and play for an episode? That's a thought too. You can do that. I, I would DM for sure. I, yeah. give it a try. I, haven't I don't know what that is. Voluntary society. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, 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 we get to play out our fantasy. I don't have any dice. Right? <laughs> That's okay. We we do it online. There's a whole uh, there's, there's a whole online, online good, yeah. Right. I've got a really good right. production quality for that. Can I can I say something about mental health though? Oh. Uh, people probably came to this episode, some of whom might have some issues. Like I I know in my network I have a lot of people who listen who have abusive spouses of both genders mm-hmm. and haven't figured out how to extricate themselves from that situation. Um, people have lost loved ones this year and last year. People have lost their entire livelihood and they may not be in the best place right now. Um, I wanted to say for those people, it's okay to reach out and ask for help. Um, but if you know somebody who's in one of those situations, what's even more powerful, what you can do for your friend is Reach out to them and offer help. And the kind of help that can be that you can offer is to make the phone call to make the appointment to see somebody. Mm-hmm. There are free and paid resources in the community um, to be there to help them with the paperwork. Paperwork's really hard when you're depressed, right? Um, to be there and just be an ear to listen to. When they know somebody's going to help advocate for them, I think that's really powerful. And I wanted to get that into this show just because it was mental health. And we were kind of talking about our own strategies, but um, a lot of us see things and want to help our friends. And it's it's amazing how, like, the smallest little step is all somebody needs. Yeah, well, that's yeah. really important. I'm glad you said that. And I would I would add to it that I'm a fixer. So when you bring me a problem, I want to start fixing it. And sometimes we don't need to be fixing people's problems. They just need to vent. Like, And they'll fix – like, there's a lot of people out there that will eventually fix their own shit. But they need to be able to just throw everything at somebody who can just sit there and go, I understand how you feel. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm sorry that that happened to you. I'm sorry you feel that way. 
and, and, and just be that person that can listen. And if they want your advice, they will tell you. And if they don't say they, or if you feel compelled and you slip and you start giving advice and you can tell that it's not being well received, turn the conversation back. I, I think that, you know, working with a professional, Nicole, you, they probably do less talking than you do. They don't tell you how to fix your shit, right? And sometimes we can be that person for another person just by being willing to listen and and let them freaking dump and and don't tell them it's not that bad and don't tell them you're just sad. I mean, especially when somebody's dealing with depression, don't tell a depressed person that everybody gets sad. Like they know that and it's not the same thing. It really isn't. And it's it's not good for them and it won't be good for your relationship. Just make people laugh. That's a good best. Yeah. That's the best. Byron.com. Baseball. <laughs> right on. So, uh, I guess, Sal, do you have a last, uh, last thought? Last closing thought? No, no. I guess just to, to summarize, you know, like I said, homeschool your kids, get them out of the camps and, uh, be prepared. Be, be your own bank. That'll, of course, help and, and, uh, be an entrepreneur. Do what you love. And 3D print some shit at 3D printer go burr. Three R. Of course, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so thanks, guys. Um, Jack's got the survival podcast. Nicole has livingfreeintennessee.com and all of those sites were dot coms. So uh, check us out on, on uh, if everybody wants to say their social media handle, because I don't know them. I'm sorry. At Nicole Sally Mayweather. At Sal Mayweather. Nicole Sauce. I'm really creative so much, Jack Spierko. <laughs> and I'm Xavier Hawk, and this has been Unloose the Goose. Thanks, everyone. Unloose the Goose. We'll take no. Deal.